When running a business, your employees can create all kinds of interesting situations, like getting complaints because someone on the team always smells horrible. You better talk to Bambi. With Bambi, get access to your own dedicated HR manager starting at just $99 per month. They're available by phone, email, and real-time chat, so onboarding and terminations run smoothly. Team members reach peak performance, and your business stays compliant with changing HR regulations. And with Bambi's HR Autopilot, you'll automate important HR practices like setting policies, training, and feedback. Bambi's U.S.-based personnel are dedicated to your business, giving you access to the HR expertise and personal touch you need. HR managers can easily cost $80,000 per year, but Bambi starts at $99 per month. Schedule your free conversation today to see how much Bambi can take off your plate. Visit Bambi.com slash C-Suite right now. Spelled B-A-M-B-E-E dot com slash C-Suite. Bambi.com slash C-Suite. Megan Gibson. The well-being of one person in a family affects the whole family system. This is a supportive community to share research, resources, stories, tips, and life hacks to keep the family brain healthy. Hi, and thanks for listening to The Family Brain. I'm your host, Megan Gibson, and today I'll be talking with Dr. Kesa Coppola, who is the founder of Harmony Wellness Clinic in California. And she also does uh, has a number of clients through telemedicine. So that's exciting, especially during these times. A lot of people are becoming more comfortable with telemedicine. And that's cool that she offers that as a service. And one of the things that we talk about is perimenopause and menopause. And I have been wanting to talk to someone about this for a while. I have a number of listeners, and myself included, who are curious and want to understand this time of life better. And she has some great insights in sharing information about what she's learned through her own process and also with her clients. So I hope you enjoy all the information she has to share, and thanks for listening. Thanks so much for joining me on the Family Brain today. Hi, thank you for having me. So I'm so excited. I cannot tell you how many friends I have had ask me to talk to someone about perimenopause and menopause. And I said, well, tell me who. I don't I don't even know. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it feels like something that there's not that much information about. Um, and I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about what brought you to this work. Well, it was, I mean, I've been doing this, I've been practicing for about 20 years, but it was my own health history that got me into healthcare in the first place. Um, So I had lots of, you know, ended up in the ER a few times because cramps were so bad, inconsistent periods, um, polycystic ovary was finally diagnosed with. So it was my own health history that brought me into this. And it was really the natural healthcare paradigm that really corrected it for me and really kind of got me on a smoother path with my hormone. Um, And so I've always been, that's been the area of my practice that I focus on because that was what brought me into it. Um, And then now I'm in perimenopause myself. So of course I'm navigating those waters and kind of diving into all the ways to correct that. And, you know, and I've got so many patients who struggle with that transition. So 
So it was, it was my story that got me here. And then also just trying to help others because I get it. I struggled with it too, you know? Well, and I think that's why someone like you, I was looking at the different programs you have to help people learn more. Um, because I think that what your experience was is not totally unique in so far as like people go through a ton before they get to anything that's useful to them. And it's yeah. just, I think many people burn out in the process, like, and just give up and just say, I guess this is just how it's going to be, you know, because maybe not as much access to information. Right. Well, I think, I think it's something that we're taught that we're supposed to just deal with. I think, I think we think it's normal to have those symptoms, to have struggles. Like we're taught that, oh, I guess cramps are just a thing. I guess feeling crappy for one or two weeks out of the month is just part of being a woman. And it's not, it's not, that's just poor education about ways to manage it better, you know? Um, so I think even from a little girl thinking that this is just our curse and something that we have to go through, um, it's all a myth. It actually can be corrected. And it's really a beautiful way to learn your body as a woman, you know, really learning to kind of go with that flow a little bit more, learning when to tune in, when to push forward, when to pull back. Um, it's just not talked about. Usually the doctors kind of tell you, you know, here, take birth control pill or hormonal replacements or antidepressants. You know, there, there's really, it's not talked about ways to manage it naturally. So what would you say are the, um, the biggest, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's everything. I feel like I would need you on like speed dial every day just to ask you <laughs> questions, but what, what would you say are some of the biggest like game changers that you found in your work that, that make a huge difference that people just across the boards are just kind of doing that make things worse? I mean, okay, so biggest thing, I mean, the biggest thing I see that we talk about every day in my office is stress and stress mm -hmm. management. Um, and the way people, you know, the way we don't tune into our bodies, the way we kind of push through things, thinking that we're supposed to go, 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 thinking that we're supposed to overdo and overstretch and not check in with ourselves. You know, we're trying to keep up with we're trying to kind of people please and keep up with our to-do list. So I would say stress um, and the way it affects high cortisol, that's gonna steal from a lot of our hormone balances. So that's probably the number one thing I talk about in my office is stress management, learning to kind of rest and tune in with yourself to create more of a balance in your nervous system. Yes. Um, you know, so that's, I see a lot of imbalanced nervous systems and you cannot have balanced hormones when there's an imbalanced nervous system. One of the things I've noticed through all of this quarantine craziness is that on one hand, my nervous system has settled in a certain way because I'm not running around like a crazy person, going to sports, going to all these things, getting up super early, but, but then there was the other pandemic, you know, nervous system issues. Um, but I did notice how just cutting back on all the rushing around helped right. settle everyone. I mean, it really was kind of amazing to have both things going on where it was kind of the whirling thoughts of about the pandemic, but then also the settling in not running around like a crazy person. Mm -hmm. Well, and I see that, um, you know, it was the running around or being able to kind of stop and pause from the crazy life was really beautiful thing, but then really having to check in with change, 
you know, how do I handle change through all this too? Am I okay with kind of surrendering that I don't know what this looks like? Um, so I saw some really interesting dynamics around, around the pandemic too, but I love that it allowed people to just kind of take a time out with their lives, with their families, and check in with themselves a little bit more. For sure. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's, have people been coming to you through this time in different ways for di with different types of questions? Go elaborate a little bit more. I guess I'm just wondering if your clientele, the people you talk to, are if if you've seen some new issues because of the pandemic, like new yeah. things that people are struggling with. Like one of the things I've noticed is just like boundary setting. You know, like there's so many things that were on autopilot that you just kind of took as this is just how it is. And when the whole world kind of got put in a blender, you kind of had to set different boundaries. That was yeah. one of the things I've noticed. I was just wondering if some of the things, if you've noticed any different um, themes coming up. Well, I think anxiety is one that I've heard a lot of in my office. And just that sympathetic overdrive, that um, <clears throat> kind of that fight or flight, you know? So, and disturbing sleep. So just anxiety around change has come in. And then again, when, when you have anxiety, it's gonna push out a lot of cortisol and then cortisol likes to steal from sex hormones. So then you get the imbalance cycles. And going through perimenopause, you already are going through that transition. So you're already starting to lose progesterone. So then when cortisol wants to go high to get you through an anxious moment, it's trying to, in effect, steal from progesterone that you don't have. You know, so it kind of creates more imbalances. Um, and I've seen a lot of that through this pandemic. So when you talk about the sex hormones, of course, I thought, I think, because I don't know that much about all of this, I think of like sex and sex drive, but sex hormones are really what our bodies run on, not just for sex drive. Is that correct? Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like sex hormones, I think progesterone, I think estrogen. Okay, okay. And so when we're going into perimenopause years, I mean, really, women kind of start this process around 35. We usually don't feel the, we don't feel it till about 45, you know, 45 to 50s when it really kind of hits in for most women. But we start to lose progesterone. Progesterone is that first sex hormone that starts to go down through perimenopause, through ovaries that are aging. Um, and then when that happens, estrogen likes to do this surge. It likes to kind of try to catch up, you know? So estrogen goes high, progesterone goes low, and it's that ratio that creates all the symptoms, you know? Um, then throw in being 45, you know, in our 40s, and our 50s, we're busy. We've got kids, we're managing businesses, we're managing families, we're, we've got a lot going on. So then cortisol's high. So then we have high cortisol, high estrogen, and low progesterone, and it just makes for a lot of sleepless, irritable moments. Yes. Yeah. Yes, indeed it does. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I, I, I can't tell you how happy I was once I started to understand what just, I mean, and again, a basic level, but what perimenopause is, mm -hmm. because I feel like I had this mindset that menopause was like, you just woke up one day and you were in menopause. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. We wish, we wish, right? <laughs> and I feel like it's like kind of a crusade I'm on to when people start talking about this, that it's like, 
just such a process. Like if you look at your child changing to go to puberty, you don't wake up one day and say, today's puberty day. You know, it's like a slow <laughs> roll into, but that helps my mindset. It gives me, I think it gives me more compassion for myself that right. things are changing and I might not always see it day to day in the same way that puberty happens. Um, right. It's the exact same thing. Yeah, but that something's happening and it's... Right. I think once once menopause hits, we're a little bit more grounded. You know, that's when kind of the, the seas have settled a little bit. But the perimenopause is all of the change and the chaos and the hormones kind of rising and falling and it's pre-puberty, it's pre-puberty. Mm-hmm. So I laughed that my daughter is 11 and I'm 48 and we're kind of going through these phases together. And it's, it's, inter- it's funny to watch, but I can watch my daughter and realize like, okay, okay, I get it. I've, I'm in the same boat and we're going to make it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Somehow looking at someone else, it gives me more compassion for myself. I think, right. you know, right. it's Absolutely. not all it's, it's, it's real. I mean, really yeah. is what it is. What, so you talk about um, natural healing for, the some of these symptoms so are you not a proponent of like supplements and hormone supplements well i'm not against them i mean i think they're part they're a tool to use and i just like kind of using everything else and then those come in at the end if nothing else is correcting it you know i love i you know bioidentical hormones have really really helped a lot of my patients so i'm not against them it's just i think there's so many steps that are being missed on the way to those that I think need to be addressed, um, you know, to help kind of do the dance. So then you need less, you don't, you know, less is better in a lot of ways. So I'm definitely not against them. I just think there's many steps to take before trying them. Okay. So if somebody is a client of yours and they come in, how do you, how do you assess and can you do this virtually? Like, can you do this through online yeah, absolutely. I have a huge telemedicine practice. Many of my patients we've never met in person. Um, and we do a lot of labs. So if somebody were to come in having all of the chaos of the hormonal imbalances of perimenopause, um, and again, that's when, that's when ovaries are starting to age. That's when we're starting to lose progesterone. Um, sometimes estrogen is even starting to decline. Thyroids are getting involved because we're looking at the entire endocrine system. So I'll run labs. And we'll look, at, we'll look at all the hormonal systems and see which, which parts are over-functioning and which parts are under-functioning. Um, but then we work with it, you know? So some of the foundations going into this that really need to be addressed to make this transition so much smoother is working, like I said, stress management. So bringing in more parasympathetic activities into your day, bringing in meditation, bringing in breath work, bringing in, maybe you don't go overtrain today, you go do a walk in nature today and just kind of reflect a little bit more. So the parasympathetic and the sympathetic system need to be balanced while we go through these phases. And usually I see we just need more parasympathetic activity. Um, blood sugar is huge. It's huge. You know, so many times this is a part in our lives when we're gaining weight. We don't like the way our bodies look and we can't take it off like we used to. And so women are trying to do all these intermittent fastings and, you know, kind of doing all these crazy diets that are not serving us, you know? So it really is just a matter of stabilizing blood sugar, eating breakfast, getting in your vegetables and your fiber, um, eating every four hours to stabilize blood sugar throughout the day. 
you know? So even stress management and blood sugar stabilization alone are huge pillars when we're dealing with the endocrine system. Uh, are there any, um, I, don't, I don't know how to even word this, but are there any shifts that you've seen happen with patients or people who come in when you're talking about these stress levels, I find that sometimes it's so hard to think outside of the, the bubble you're in. So if you're in that stress cycle of like doing, 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 I've, it, it can be hard to undo that. Are, are, there, are there ways that you kind of invite people to like think about doing things differently that you've noticed are really helpful? Yeah, you know, there's one, it's, it's like little timeouts, like call, I call them um, segments of intention. So meaning when you go from kind of say after morning routine, getting everybody fed, dressed, the day's about to start, you know, everybody's made their beds. So going from mom mode and say you have to go to work. So to take a few moments of a simple breath technique and then kind of resetting like, okay, now I'm going to take off mom hat and put on work hat. And what's my intention for the next segment of my day? So meaning, okay, so I just finished circus in the morning. Now I'm going to take a few, and I, box breaths is an easy way to teach it. So you do a box with your breath. So you inhale for the count of four, hold for the count of four, exhale for the count of four, and hold for the count of four. And maybe you do that four times. So as you do those deep, relaxing, parasympathetic breaths, you kind of say, okay, so now my intention for this next segment is to stay grounded, is to stay positive, is to stay focused. So you're setting the intention for your next segment of your day rather than kind of chasing it with mom hat that's still on. Yes. So, you know, so you break up these moments of your day with saying, okay, now, or, you know, and then from work, I park up the street before I even pull into my driveway because I know my kids are going to run out in the driveway. So I park up the street and kind of take off my work hat, put on my mom hat and do a few box breaths to where I'm resetting my intention. Okay, I'm gonna stay loving. I'm gonna stay, you know, I'm gonna stay compassionate. I'm gonna stay connected. I'm gonna, you know, remain grounded. And so when I walk into the house, I've already set my intention. So they're walking into my vibration rather than me feel overwhelmed from my day at work. I've already yes. taken a moment with that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I, 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 tools. Yeah, I love that. Well, and I, one thing I've noticed with myself is that I'll, I'm better at that using that kind of technique when I am just in total chaos. Like I sort of start to grab for all the tools, but if I could regularly use them, it would probably keep me on a more stable path from day to day instead of like waiting until... Yeah. The shit hits the fan and then being like what are what was that thing that they told me about yeah well you know the truth is like that still happens i mean it's sure. human you know so then right. when i have one of those moments which is often i mean i still lose my you know like yeah. then i'll think oh hold on you know so then i'll go and take a few minutes and just ground and apologize to myself that we're doing the best we can and then you mm -hmm. just start over yeah that's one of the things i've i've enjoyed reading about is just the concept of what is, uh, I forget her first name Neff is her last name the self-compassion and just mm -hmm. having more compassion for yourself in some of the things you know you can have all the tools you can do all the things and I just think women in particular are just so hard on 
ourselves. And yeah. it's just, uh, and I think, I, yeah, and it, I can see how that would throw all of your, all of your chemistry off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I work with is, especially when we're going through hormonal, going to perimenopause, it's like we don't even recognize ourselves anymore. You know, oftentimes we're in this, we just feel kind of irritable. We feel puffy. We feel really disconnected to our bodies. And then we start judging ourselves and not even recognizing who we are emotionally or physically. And it's really just a matter of kind of just going back in and practicing compassion and practicing love with you first before anybody else, you know? It's just reconnecting with yourself as a woman. Yes, yeah. What about in terms of sleep? What I know that, I mean, I'm sure that's coming on its way for me at some point. I don't know if everybody struggles with sleeping through the night, but I know that's a big complaint. Um, what do you recommend for that? Okay, so for sleep, I usually say, um, you know, I mean, just the sleep hygiene practices, which are keep it dark, keep it cool, um, and keep electronics out of the room, you know? So no phone. I usually say try to do the whole bedtime routine like your brain is a toddler. So an hour or two before bed. And no, but you know, a lot of us don't do that. Um, but no electronics in the room. Keep it dark, keep it cool. And then there's one little tool that I give for women who have a hard time sleeping is when you wake up in the morning, within the first 30 minutes of waking, you do three minutes of high intensity exercise. So just three minutes and it's separate from your regular exercise routine. So um, three minutes of like burpees, jumping jacks, push-ups, you know, kind of in circuit. And then, cause what that does is it gets cortisol up first thing in the morning when cortisol is supposed to come up. And okay. so it gets, it gets us set on that circadian rhythm. So if cortisol comes up first thing in the morning, it has to come down at night because melatonin is supposed to come up at night. Okay. So, so that little three minute within 30 minutes of waking exercise is really helpful. My patients hate it and never like to stick with yeah, it. Yeah, it sounds like a terrible idea, but something that could be very but helpful. I tell you when they do it, it works. Yeah. You know? yeah. So I always say that's not a pill. That's not, you know, but it is my least compliant um, tool that I offer. Um, I just got a jump rope and I forgot how fun that is. And three, well, I mean, it is hard so three minutes is fine because that is plenty it's not easy and then you're done and it's separate from your normal exercise routine but it starts to train your body to get in the proper circadian rhythm and then you know making sure that you you know i always say try to take a couple of hours of no snack before bed um and then maybe some magnesium maybe some melatonin phosphatidylserine is another um wonderful thing that helps cortisol come down at night. So there's definitely some sleep aids that help, but I do love that morning exercise. And I do love kind of the whole sleep hygiene routine of getting your body ready for letting your brain know, Hey, we're about to rest. Right. It's about to be bedtime, you know? And I can actually see that jumping rope or doing something intensely for three minutes. I feel like it actually might even help me get my kids out the door better. Cause I'm more awake. Well, you know, it's like, going to raise cortisol. It's going to yeah. really kind of snap you into your day. Yeah. It's going to say, wow, okay, I got that first of cortisol, and now I'm ready. Now I'm awake. So mm-hmm. it really works with morning fatigue as well, because okay. your circa- it's all about the circadian rhythm, that yeah. solo rhythm. You need to be able to set that over. You need to kind of, your daily activities need to match what your hormones are doing. 
Okay. Yeah, I like that. What about melatonin? Do you have any concerns about using that or having there become a, an a, not addictive, but you know, yeah. just leaning on it too much? I don't see that that much. I mean, melatonin okay. is a really great antioxidant. And if you need it, it's really helpful. It means okay. you need it, you know? So if it helps and you actually feel a difference with it, it means you need it. And then what I often see when I do labs on melatonin is once you take it for a while, then it starts to normalize. And then oftentimes you're groggy in the morning. So I don't see that it becomes too dependent. I see that if it helps, it's because you need it. And then you naturally get to decline on it. Um, but a lot of people don't need it. And it's why it doesn't help. Okay. I noticed when I take it, I have really, like, I remember my dreams, like almost like I have a deeper sleep of some sort. And I, it's, it's nice. I don't always like yeah. the dreams I have, but I mean, now I remember them. a lot of studies are showing that people are needing really high, high doses of melatonin and people are taking 10, 20 milligrams as opposed to the one to three that has generally been suggested. So the new studies out on it are quite fascinating. But again, I usually see that if it helps, it's because there is a need and the body does need those hormones to help with keeping up with its daily rhythm. Okay. So what, um, if you were to think about your own routine and what, what has like really, I don't know, you strike me as someone who would have like a good set of, um, rituals that you sort of do or, or sort of like touchstone habits. Are there mm -hmm. certain that you always do that you that you know keep you kind of in this more balanced zone yeah I so I'm a big fan of morning routines I think morning routines are really really important to kind of set our day so for me I wake up early because I'm trying to have some private time before my kids wake up so I um I wake up early and I have a rule, no phone for the first hour of waking, because you want to keep that vibration that happens in your sleep. You want to keep that. You don't want to start with your emails and start with your social media and start all of a sudden tapping into the world outside of you. You want to hold the vibration that sleep, you know, sleep allowed you to kind of get into your subconscious and release all the stressors. So when you wake up in the morning, you want to prolong that as long as you can. And so so my rule is an hour of no phone and I wake up and I try to do a little meditation. I try to do some exercise um, because I think that hour is really what sets my whole day. And mm -hmm. I do a little journaling. It really depends on if I'm doing a meditation and or journaling. And I usually have, you know, little programs that I'm doing that direct me. Um, but I do think morning routines are key. Okay. Yeah, I have heard that. And what's there's someone that does the, um, what's it called? The Morning Miracle, I feel like it's called. I don't know who it is either, but I, I seem to always remember like pieces of information, just not the whole story. Um, but yeah, I've done it a few times and I'm like, I need to do this always. And then somehow it just falls off. But it, right, it, right. I do yeah. find it, I feel really good. And especially like you were saying, if I can give myself some time before my kids come out, I just show up so much better throughout the day because I've had that time. Well, and for, and I give an hour, but I don't always get an hour. I mean, and again, I'll, I'll do like I did Tony Robbins priming meditation for years. And then I, that fell off, you know? So if all else fails, falls off, I always say, give yourself like three minutes even to mm -hmm. where you think of, um, gratitude, you know, like my, I have a gratitude journal where I just write three things down that I'm grateful for just to set my intention of being grateful. You know, you can't bring in joy 
um, without gratefulness. Mm -hmm. So grateful is kind of that first step and it's easy to do, you know, it's right. easy to just say, I'm grateful I woke up today even, you know, even if you're in a bad mood, I'm still here. Um, right. So I love starting the day with even just simple, like write down three things you're grateful for, do a few box breaths and then start your day if that's all you have time for. Yeah, I love that. It is, it's, it's, I feel like when I hear this idea of intention, it makes sense. And yet I just don't always do it. Like today, my daughter had to dress in um, tie dye for school. And I was like, why are we doing this? And then I looked it up and it was because it's a reminder of showing like peace, kindness, um, like gestures, positive gestures to others. And so I, and you're supposed to have your child report back to you what happened to them that day. So pay attention to who's treating you kindly and what you're doing in kindness. And I told her, oh, I'll do that too. And I've noticed like 20 things already, you know? I mean, oh, if I had awesome. thought of that, you know, it just, it probably wouldn't have made the same, like I wouldn't have noticed it as much as I, as I'm trying to pay attention to it. So it makes a lot of sense. It, it really does. does. And it's just these little tools. Again, maybe you do something I do with the kids and something I teach my patients to do is three gratefuls every morning and then three gratefuls every night that you share with your family, you know? So um, whether it's a dinner thing, whether it's a tuck-in thing, but just where you're sharing your three gratefuls of that day that are specific to that day. And it makes you kind of pay attention to, huh, what am I going to say tonight? Or at least finish the day with something that you're grateful for. Yes. I love that. Mm -hmm. um, so is there anything you were hoping I would ask you about that you haven't been able to tell me about? Or maybe you could well, let people know um, where they can find more about you. Well, the, so my website is harmonywc.com and it's for harmonywellnessclinic.com. I did just come up with classes because I get so many people who are really struggling with their hormones and whether they're in reproductive years and having fertility issues, whether they have really bad PMS, whether um, they're perimenopausal and kind of all over the place. So I came up with just some webinars that are really just some resources to kind of learn, okay, here's what the endocrine system is, here's what the hormones do or supposed to do, and here's little tips through diet, through exercise, through supplementation of ways to bring you back to normal or at least help balance a little bit more. Yes. So if the people who can't, whether it's a financial issue or a timing issue, um, I wanted to give resources if you can't come see me webinars that can start to educate your hormones. Yeah. And one other thing for reproductive women is that women think that they're supposed to follow this 24 hour cycle. And every day is supposed to be the same. And every day I'm supposed to work out really hard. And every day I'm supposed to not eat that much. And every day I'm supposed to do this. And that's not the case with us. We are dynamic women. You know, we are, um, we change and our menstrual, where we're at on day one of our period is very different than where we're at on day one of ovulation. So when you pay attention to your lunar cycle, your infradian rhythm, um, you can really work with yourself a little bit more and you learn that dance a little bit better. And you really learn to check in with your intuitive sense and your feminine self a little bit more. So hopefully I really tried to explain that in each phase of the cycle and ways to um, support yourself in each phase of the cycle. Um, and then also tips for perimenopause, really just trying to get more information out there that women don't seem to have. Yeah. Well, and that's, I love what you're saying because I feel like it's taken me till 
recently, I'm 45. Am I 45? Yeah, I'm 45. And um, it's taken me to like now to realize like, okay, after my cycle, or I don't even know after my cycle, after I have my period, I don't know. I have a ton of energy. And then towards the end, I'm like, I almost have to like take the pressure off myself. Like I'm probably not going to get that much done right now. You know, I'm probably going to like, I need to kind of lower the expectations. But when I'm in that other zone, like this is the time to get stuff done. Um, And that's the time to even plan your month, you know, mm -hmm. like meaning when you, when you're finishing your period, then you start that follicular phase. That's when you're like planning. Okay. Now I've got the energy. I'm building my next because the menstrual cycle is the end of a cycle. Mm-hmm. So even though that's day one, it's different. But okay. like, so when you bleed, it's the end of what's happening. It's the, okay. shine, it's the shedding of the uterine lining. So the ending of your cycle is the finishing of a cycle. Okay. So when you're coming out of that, it's, it's new. Like, right. hey, what are my intentions for this month? What do I need to get done? How can I start ramping up? You have more energy, you know? And then when you start to bleed going into your menstrual cycle, it's time to wind down. It's time mm-hmm. to go within. It's time to reflect. Right. And if we're intuitively paying attention to that, it's what, it's what we're doing. But if we're pushing during a time of rest, we're going to store fat. We're going to become mm-hmm. irritable. We're going to start to throw things off. Well, and I noticed before I started realizing that and sort of really believing it, mm-hmm. I would get mad at myself. Like, you know, cause come on, Megan, get it together. Like, come, what do you do? You know, just kind of like why? And, um, I, that's not helpful either. I mean, it just yeah. is, it kind of just creates a snowball of like feeling worse. Right. But if you can kind of anticipate it, it's, um, I don't know, it's kind of free. Yeah. There's times like when we're going into our period, we actually need more calories and we need more rest. And mm-hmm. if we were listening to our bodies, that's exactly what our bodies would be telling us, you know? Um, and so, but we think, oh no, I'm supposed to be dieting and oh no, I'm supposed to be going to do that work, that hit training session, but we're actually going to gain weight if we do that, you know? So when we allow the rest is when we can actually start to burn fat. So it's really working with the cycle a little bit more. Okay. There's a really good, have you seen, um, it's called the nap ministry. It's like an Instagram. It's an Instagram account, but they talk all about just the power of rest. It's really good. Oh, I love that. Very, yeah, I love that. It has a really cool message. Yeah. The nap industry. The map. Uh, the map. Oh, the gotcha. nap, okay. No, the nap ministry. The nap okay. Ministry. Yeah. Okay. It's, okay. kind of, it's, got, it's tied to social justice also. Um, it's really good. It's just okay. something different. Um, so, and I am going to do some of those webinars. I'm curious just to learn more. I mean, even just when I'm saying, oh, the end of my cycle, is that the end of my cycle? I don't know. I mean, it's just crazy yeah. that I don't because know. Because there's no education out there around it. There's none. I mean, so I, I'm constant. That's why I did the webinars is because I wanted more people to start to learn this. Mm-hmm. Because nobody understands the way it's supposed to be. Medical doctors, they are just kind of used to here. Let's just turn that volume. And I'm not, this isn't a, I go to medical doctors. They, they know way more than I do about certain things. So it's really a matter of so much of it is just turn the volume down. You shouldn't have that. Like don't have that symptom instead of really understanding why you have that symptom in the first place. It's right. your body trying to talk to you. Yeah. 
I love that. Yeah. Um, and I love that if we can kind of understand it better, then we can transfer that information to younger people and help them. Oh, you don't like that. Okay. Well, I wonder what that's about, you know, and yeah. just kind of keep that connection a little better instead of like severing it and then having to reattach it later in life. And try to figure out where, yeah, and trying to reintegrate because people are so detached from their bodies mm -hmm. because we're told that, oh, that's just sucky. You're here, just take this drug and, you know, deal with it. But not at all. It's our body's way of communicating with us. So one of the questions I have always been asking as the last question on my podcast is about self-care. And recently I've decided to kind of tweak it because I, who was I listening to? listening to someone talk about how self-care is is very insular and that often it's self-care like in the context of community care so I'm wondering if you could think of something that like helps support your self-care in your community like what about your family life or your community life or your work life helps support you also doing self-care for yourself hmm so I always say that self-care comes first to be able to serve from a place of capacity rather than responsibility. So the more I care for myself, the more I practice self-love, the more I connect, the more I pause, the more I sit with my feelings and nurture them ra rather than avoid them, then that's going to allow me to serve from a place of capacity and compassion and want, which will then go outside of me to the community. So, mm -hmm. and if I can serve that to even one other person, a patient, a family member, a friend, then they feel that because mm -hmm. it's real. And then they feel heard and loved and warm within themselves. And then can share that with their family, friend, person, who then can share that. So I really do, I really think it all starts with the way we love ourselves, the way we connect to ourselves, the way we kind of reparent ourselves and nurture ourselves. And then it just gets to ripple out from there. Yeah. I love that. Where, where did you get, I feel like I'm still trying to understand and learn more about this energy that we show up with in the world. What, what resources would you recommend to sort of better understand what, I mean, I believe it. I don't know. I guess I'm just yeah. a big person. Like, I believe what you're saying. I don't, but are there, are there resources or places to get sort of a better understanding of that? Well, gosh, I've been, I feel like I've been a seeker for my whole life, you know? So I've so many readings, um, you know, Marianne Williamson, Christine Northrup, um, Ina Mae Gaskin. I think of all the women and kind of midwives and um, spiritual leaders, so to speak, of who really connect to your power as a woman, or mm -hmm. I've just read everything through them. I've even, Vishen Lakiani is a Mind Valley CEO, and he's got some great people who he brings in for um, podcasts. Um, okay. So there's so many. On my website, I give a lot of books that have led me along my path. Okay. I give a lot of resources, TED Talks, you know, Brene Brown, um, Byron Katie. I, there's a lot of books, Michael Singer, The Untethered Soul. Um, so many books that have really brought me to where I am because 
um, Joe Dispenza is another one of my favorite guys because he really talks about you have to think, um, you have to bring in the emotion. Your emotions are what manifest, not your thoughts. It's your emotion around your thoughts. So, so many really strong thought leaders and spiritual leaders who've led me on this path. And I did kind of compile a list on my website, but I, just, okay. I named a handful. That's perfect. I'm going to look that up because I, and I've yeah. noticed it's better when I listen, when I'm reading, I am loving listening to all these books on audible because yeah. it just gets in my brain in a different way. I don't know. Yeah. It, it works yeah. better for me. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I really, I, cause I just have to hear it. And then I might even take notes because if I write it, then that connects for me a little bit more too. Yes. Well, this has been so wonderful and I love all that you're doing and I'm excited to share you as a resource because I, like I said, so many people have been asking me and I'm like, I don't even know who to ask, you know? So it's fun to find someone like you that's doing this work. Well, and it's fun to find somebody who cares and wants to share it. So thank you. Oh, good. Because this, it needs out there. You know, there's so many people who need help. So thank you for putting it out there. Thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed Dr. Coppola as much as I did. And I just, I'm excited to check out her webinar and learn more about her work. It's almost embarrassing that I don't know more than I do at this point, but I also feel like it's not embarrassing because this information is not really easily and readily available. So I'm, I'm just thankful to find her as a resource. So check out her website. And if you're interested in learning more about the Family Brain Podcast, you can check us out on Instagram, Family Brain Podcast, or on Facebook, the Family Brain Podcast. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.